could be about writing. It could be about food. It could be about what have we talked about in here? No, no, <laughs> not that. It could be about sex, but you know, <clears throat> we're at a bar. It's twenty-one plus. To ask whatever you want. All right, so. Hi, this is Catherine Lasota, host of LIC Reading Series, a monthly event at LIC Bar in Long Island City, Queens. In this episode of our podcast, you're going to hear the panel discussion from our February 27, 2018 event, which featured three writers who teach writing courses for Catapult, Hermione Hobie, Kanishk Theror, and Sharice Wallace. If you want to hear the readings from these authors, just listen to our previous episode. You're also going to hear from the Magic Silver Box, which is something we bring out at our events for audience members to put questions into the Magic Silver Box. And if I choose that audience member's question during the panel discussion, that audience member wins a fabulous prize. So join me now in LIC Bar as we kick off our panel discussion with Hermione Hobie, Kanishk Theror, and Sharice Wallace. So thank you so much for taking part here in the LIC Reading Series. I think. Just to start off, I'm going to, you know, ask some questions before we dive into the magic silver box. Um, but I think just to start off, since we're doing this, you know, we're this special night featuring uh, writers who also teach courses for Catapult. Could you guys each say a little something about the course that you have taught or will be teaching for Catapult? I'd love to hear. Sure. Well, so I'm teaching my second course for Catapult. And... Um, it's 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 funny because it, it, often these classes are dependent on the nature of the students you get, and I've got two very different bodies of students, but they're equally engaging and and and, and generous to each other. Um, and I find that as a, as a writer, I mean, I'm not going to big up my own ability to to make them better writers, but um, as as a writer, I find it really generative actually to be engaging with people in their work. Um, it makes me sharper in thinking about the work I do, uh, and I hope that the kinds of inclinations I have in my writing and in the way I read come across to my students as well. Um, I have great students. They're, they're, they range from the age of like 22 to 65, and um, they're all, I mean, I try to foster a sort of generous environment, and they're all very generous to each other. And um, yeah, so I've, I've had a good time teaching there, and I hope that if you all take classes at Catapult, you'll find that it's a great environment and place to, 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 to be free and to, to, to sort of hone your work and to explore. And what is the, what's the, like, what exactly is your course that you teach? Because there's a range. I teach of a, a, a sort of what's, I mean, it's called an advanced fiction workshop. Mm -hmm. So it's basically a workshop class. We do a little bit of craft, but it's really intensively a workshop class, which I like teaching uh, more than craft, actually. Um, so it's very much focused on, on on stories that are submitted and that are read collectively and, and discussed. Excellent. Sharice? I'll be teaching my first class in April. Yay! Yay! Eight lucky students and me lucky. Um, the class I'm going to be teaching, even though I hate this word revising, it's called revising fiction. Um, an advanced class for people with short stories and or novels who want to revise a short story and or a novel chapter. For me, I believe that 
the true writing, true writing happens after the first draft is finished. It's when you begin to pull out the themes, the story, the plots, the characters, where you really start to dig in, where you really have to have intuition as a person and as a writer into people, into the psychology, their wants, their, their desires, their hopes, their journeys, their fears. I'm always, I'm been amazed when I write things and then I look back, I come back to it and realize, oh my God, I had no idea that that theme was running through it. How can I actually utilize this better? So the class is going to deal very precisely with how we come at our work, not on a word by word, sentence by sentence basis, but also on a global basis. I think people have this idea that revision means correcting something you've done incorrectly. Mm. It's a typo, people think. It's, it's not that at all. I prefer the word honing the work. When you come at the work completely fresh, which is actually what I'm doing right now with a manuscript, sure that what I had written was the final manuscript and then I could reconceive everything about it, but the characters have stayed the same. And that's what the class will be doing. How to come at your work from a fresh perspective, clean eyes, to go much deeper than what any first or 10th or 15th draft can do. And I'm talking as somebody who really writes millionth drafts of sentences. <laughs> Honing. 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 H honing and turning the work. It's a constant coming at it. You know, I found with the second novel, The Family Tabor, that's coming out, I literally, I don't know how to do it, but sort of clicked it a few notches. And it was a fight that I had about putting something from one place to another place that I kept thinking I should, but I, and that happened actually with the first book too. So clearly this is my thing. <laughs> um, the minute you can open yourself up as a writer, because we all get caught in what we've done. We feel it's pretty good or it's not good or whatever. What happens if? Mm -hmm. What happens if the main character that you think is the main character is not really the main character? What if it's not supposed to be third person, but it should be first person? What if you're starting the story way too early or way too late? These are all things, once you have that first draft, which for Mike, in my case, it's probably the 25th draft. <laughs> when you have that and it's still not happening the way you need it to happen. And that's the, what I'm going to try to teach, which is the intuition of going into your own work. Awesome. Hermione? Hi. <laughs> um, it always struck me as um, strange that it was expected of writers of fiction to then teach fiction um, <laughs> because, you know, the, the two exercises, writing and teaching, seem like, um, you know, potentially incompatible activities. The former is a sort of practice of interiority and introspection and, and privacy and um, just inhabiting oneself and uh, also inhabiting uncertainty, I think, and ambivalence. Um, and then, you know, the latter is kind of the opposite. It, you know, you're required to, um, you know, have some kind of authority and certainty and, um, and it's a kind of semi-public exercise. So, you know, that always struck me. And then I started, I've been teaching this semester and it's been, Joyful is the word to realize how the two projects are actually aligned and that I hope that each, you know, calls on the, the best parts of ourselves, um, uh, you know, which are patience and curiosity and empathy 
um, you know, all, all the good stuff. Um, and um, yeah, like, like you, it's, you know, I feel it's definitely making me a better writer, which is just, you know, a lovely side effect of it. Um, so I'll be teaching a, I should double check with Julie, a, a, a <laughs> intensive fiction. Yeah, we think. <laughs> it's on the website. The, the internet knows, even if we don't. Advanced fiction, cool. So yeah, it will be a similar, like a, a workshopping style. Um, and the thing that I find, you know, thrilling, just if I'm like, so I worked as an editor briefly in London. I mean, you know, a journalism kind of editing. Um, and, you know, I've in one sense, I've been an editor for 10 years because, I, you know, I feel like I edit my own journalism as well as my editor. And one thing that's just so wonderful to me is that like any piece of writing can be made better. And I find that such a, you know, creative thrill to take anything and and see, you know, kind of sniff out the writer's best instincts and to enlarge them and to just gently, you know, push in the right direction. And and I think, you know, that really calls on empathy, basically, and a kind of intuition. Um, so it's it's work that I love. Yeah. That's great. I. Uh... Now I'm wondering, the question I have is, you're all teaching these writing classes. What would you say for yourselves? Uh, how did you learn to be a writer? And what was your best teaching for yourself, whether it was a person or reading or some other thing or doing? Like, how did you, how do you feel like you learned? At what point did you say, oh, yeah, okay, I can do this how did you i how still did you haven't get... said oh yeah okay. i can do this that's yet to come right. <laughs> i don't know about you guys um i i'd say that uh reading is like 90 percent of writing i have to remind myself that that like you know our, our work is is reading mostly um and then some of it's living as well and then but the like the writing is sort of one percent maybe of the writing you know <laughs> and all the rest like feeds it too um I guess, I guess I'd sort of, it, it would have been good to know that it just takes a really long time and that it's okay to take a really long time to get good. I always think with a sort of exasperation about Kerouac and blame him for this, like, <laughs> you know, this myth. You can myth blame him of, for a like, lot. Let's just blame him. It's all his fault. You know, just this myth of like, you sit down and you just go, and like some genius comes out and then it, it's done. And, and, and debatable. I, <laughs> Right, but Very I loved, debatable. I love what you were saying, Cherise, about you know honing and revising and doing like a thousand drafts. So I mean, how long it takes, both in terms of the project, but also just you know finding your voice and like it takes a long time to become a person, and it's quite hard to be a writer before you're a person. So, you know. <laughs> no, I think that's that's true. I mean, I started writing very very young. Four years old, two years old, three years old. My first stories were crayon with with crayons. I had no. Did you have Henry the Squirrel? No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. But um, I no, I had no no time for pictures. Right. Words is what I wanted. So when you said you're going last because W the last name, mm. I would go to the library every single week. My mom would take me, or my dad would take me, and I early on knew that W was a really bad name for author placement. It was <laughs> low, blah blah blah. <laughs> But I, I wrote all the time. I mean, that's what I did through my entire life. One of the things, one of the themes of, of my of resurrection is the idea of falling into an unintended life. Mm 
Mm. I've had fascinating experiences, but not not at all typical for a writer. I didn't I didn't I didn't major in English literature. I didn't go get an MFA. I've lived life. I've had other yeah. experiences. I certainly could not have written this book as a 20-year-old in in you know, in an MFA program. I think I think it's I, I recently I was at a book festival and I had to give a talk to it turned out to be 60 junior, you know, ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th graders who I was told were expecting me were all English literature and creative writing kids, but they actually did not expect me and none of them were this thing. Um, <laughs> and there are 60 faces and the principal and four other teachers staring at me and I'm staring at them and I'm thinking, oh, fuck. Um, but what I had written wasn't about me, it was about how to build yourself into a writer, mm. which is really how to build yourself into a person observation, like you were talking about, compassion, empathy, learning how to see the best of other people, what yourself, it, reading with abandon, reading things that you don't think that you like, S listening to music, you, it went on and on. And what was wonderful is that 60 kids started asking me questions, although about halfway through, one, one girl says to me, so what do you do when your book fucks, you know, fucks and, su and, and sucks? And I, I, and her teachers and I said, <laughs> Well, if it fucks, it's a good thing. <laughs> if it sucks, it's it's really bad. And so far, that hasn't happened. But you never know. Then you have to have a thick skin and you move on. Um, I, th I think that to be a writer, and I'm sure people have, you know, writers, we write books. Then people say, oh, well, you know, I have a book in my mind, too. And my, uh, my reaction is fabulous. You have to love the process. I think it's true of most of things in life. You cannot love only the end product. If you don't love the process of writing, of observing, of thinking, of exploring, researching, if you don't love rewriting every sentence and paragraph 4,000 million times, you're never going to get to where we have gotten with these finished books. And the books that do end up like that without all that stuff, they're just not, they're not worth it. It's not worth the time. And I think it's true of life. You have to love the journey, not just the end point. Yeah, I'd agree with both uh, Cherise and Hermione. Um, certainly reading is an inextricable, dominant, majority part of what we do as writers. Um, and then there's a way of being in the world and, 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 and learning and moving through the world that is necessary to being a writer. I, I do, you know, I, I, I did an MFA. Uh, Julie and I met for the MFA. And um, I, I think I became a better writer as a result. But I really, and again, as even as somebody who teaches the, I suppose, the craft of writing fiction, um, I think it, it is probably more important to teach people to look at the world in ways that are interesting, knowledgeable, insightful, than to craft the 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 the, the syntax and 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 and, and, and to, to to craft a story, um, and I think that for you know. We can all work on technique, but what makes really great writing at the end of the day is somebody who has uh, a well-honed way of looking at and looking and thinking about the world around them. And that to me is more important. Your, your answers all speak to a question that I had also in that um, you all have these other things going on in your lives or have had many experiences that are not strictly, I'm a writer, you know, you've, You've done this radio show, and you've which is also involves some writing, of course. And um, 
law and um, and film and um, journalism. And so it seems that these experiences inform the writing. Do you think of yourselves as, do you say to yourself, I'm a writer and that's who I am? Or is that not the definition? Is that not what you call yourself? Do you call yourself a writer? Depends who asks. <laughs> 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 at, you know, at, at, at four, at four years old, writing my stories. Yes, mm -hmm. I was totally a writer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, completely, one hundred percent. That's all I wanted to be. Sheree, st stopping, you know, ultra emotional. Well, mm -hmm. That's that's what I need, mommy and daddy, to do what I'm doing. Now, when you're being feted or brought around to film festivals and people want to know if you're happy and stuff, I have to, keep, <laughs> I have to keep, I have to keep reminding myself. Oh, right, I I'm the writer now. It's right. a weird thing, and I don't mean it in a in a way of like. Do you guys really think you're writers? That's not that's what I mean by that question. What I mean is, is that definition limiting to say that? No. You're like, it's good. I, I mean, it I, encompasses I everything. I think it's the greatest thing you could possibly say. Me too. Yeah, me. So, uh, and I would, but I do find myself, I do feel embarrassed. <laughs> Why? Why? I don't know. It just, it just seems like kind of presumptuous even now. I mean, I have one book published. So, uh, but. Um, See, it's weird. I felt the opposite. When the, the various <laughs> publishers wanted to include all of my history, right? Lawyer and this mm -hmm. and that. I'm like, no, I'm crossing. No, I don't want it. But Sharice, you've had this experience. No, I'm only a writer is what I said. I felt like that four-year-old. No, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not this. I didn't produce these things. I only want to be known as this. And it took my father to say, sweetheart, it's okay that you, you are these other things too. It was my four-year-old self saying, this is exactly who I am. The only thing that I want to be. Forget all the things that happened before. Mm, interesting. Huh. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I do, I do usually say writer, but like privately, I just feel <laughs> like I'm a reader. Like that's, <laughs> that's my, you know, that's how I identify. I'm just someone who likes books. <laughs> I'm just like picturing the dorky emoji, like, you know, the little glasses. And, um, is that an emoji? There's an emoji for everything. Right? Yeah, there is now. Yeah, I use it frequently. So. <laughs> for you, instead of your bio, you're just like dork emoji. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly more eloquent. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, I mean, yeah, of course, writers, right? They're, readers first right i mean how could you want to do this if you don't also want to i don't get that i don't get if somebody there's a lot of good tv there's a lot of <laughs> no i get not reading but not like to say i'm gonna write and then you're like well okay what are you reading i don't i i've i went to one i i don't have an mfa although i would have loved to have done that i've gone to one literary conference and i was shocked by the number of writers and in quotes uh -huh. <laughs> telling me how they their first drafts are perfect yeah they never ever revise and they don't read anything oh and this was amazing that's why they conference. know it's perfect no they really don't believe you know when they're writing they don't read when i'm writing i read i mean i don't know how many books i read last year like you know 200 or some crazy amount 250 yeah if you're not completely immersed for me i need mm -hmm. to be completely immersed mm -hmm. And watching great shows on TV or watching great movies is not reading great literature. It's different. It's great for plot development and all that sort of stuff, story. But it's not the same as reading the words, mm -hmm. as seeing how the words unfold. And I learned a lot of that from writing briefs and motions and appearing in court and having to argue. <laughs> you know, learning to tie mm -hmm. up a whole motion in a ribbon so that the judge mm -hmm. would say, sure, Miss Wallace, 
your, your, your clone can have whatever they want. <laughs> awesome. Own that history in Exactly. Your life. I'm um, learning to. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I, now I feel like I've gotten all judgy. I'm like, writers who don't read, I'm going to judge you. Well, I am going to judge you a little bit. But I mean, if somebody writes something and they say it's perfect and they're not reading anything else, maybe that's part of the joy of not reading is you can think what you wrote is perfect because there's <laughs> nothing to, I mean, then you read other things and you say, oh crap, this, this shit's so good. Am I as good as this stuff that I'm reading? And so to that question, I would say, I was thinking about this, um, Sharice, when you were reading the part with Daniel in your book, like um, these things that kind of trip us up along the way of you know, he was writing, but then, no, wait, his mom was a writer. And um, so we all have our doubts we come up across, right? And and how do you deal with the moment when you say that self-doubt as a writer? How do you get through that? Well, I have a question for the two of you to see mm -hmm. if it, it matches my experience. I, until August of 2017, read the New York Times book review, read all the book reviews, knew what was going on, loved to read everything, Love to read all the articles. Since August 2017, I have to sort of carefully step into that world, read these reviews. Not I used to adore everything, and now it took me a while to not feel like every single writer out in the world was my competition, mm. and to realize it's irrelevant what actually happens once I finish the book and the book is out there. It's done. I've done my work. People will love it. People will hate it. Whatever happens, but it took a transition to not feel completely tied into it. Did you guys feel that? Have you felt that? I think I, I uh, yeah, I have, I have absolute sympathy for that. I think I've tried to remind myself that like the point, the point of writing is like an individual voice. And so like, you know, it, it, writing is this funny thing in, in that it is subjective and yet, this is something Daniel Kaleman said to me. Him. Yeah, he's great. And he said it is subjective, but the problem is like within the subjectivity, there is kind of a hierarchy. So <laughs> you can't you can't quite be like, everyone gets a prize. But um right. but I mean, I um I I just I don't know, I just have to like remind myself that like if it's good, it's good for all of us. And if it's bad, ignore it. But you know, if 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 like people are putting good things into the world and people are writing well about those good things, then you know that raises us all up. And like that, you know, people caring about literature just makes me happy. Um, so I just have to try and think in in bigger terms. But but in general, you know, like um, I was talking about this this morning um, with a wonderful poet. Just this. The, the difficulty of ego in terms of writing um, and ne negotiating that and, um, you know, how it's, I felt it was sort of necessary as soon as the book was out to, to realize that whatever it attracted, praise or disgust or excoriation, you know, it was, it was the book and, um, and that if someone you know that that just seemed like that was how I was going to preserve my sanity uh, <laughs> report to come on that but um, but you know like that you know there was me and and my private life and my insecurities and whatever and then there was the book and at this point there is a separation between the two because 
you know that that's like my 20s like i don't i don't remember writing that you know it's like it's it's ancient history to me you know well i think one of the beauties was writing another having already been writing another book and another book and being but still you're pulled out you're you are pulled out of it people there are phone calls and mm. oh so and so loves it but they're wondering if you could have a bigger whatever and i'm thinking i can't write that way and yeah. i don't want to hear about it but yeah <laughs> i mean i um i'm, I'm with him i mean this, this book actually came out two years ago now so in india for the first time and then a year later in the u.s and the uk um so i've been living with it for such a long time that it really does feel like something separate like yeah. it's not where i am now in any case um so that has been a part of my experience of it, is that you know i the last time i wrote any of these stories was three years ago really. yeah. so um it was it's a while ago so there's there's that sense of distance at the same time generally i'm just very grateful that um this book uh the writing i've done f um my, my fiction writing my other kinds of writing has allowed me to 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 be read to be part of a community of people who are interested in in literature and ideas in 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 building you know it, because these i do very i know i kind of maybe because i watch too much tv i do <laughs> i do kind of uh very like feel quite uh viscerally um the 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 extent to which we as lovers of, of of books and literature um are a sh sort of shrinking part not numerically of people but of shrinking part of 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 the space that this world once commanded in public attention um so i to be included in this in this space to me is i think you know it's it's wonderful that it exists that we can contribute to it that there are people who want to support it um, so yeah, I'm grateful oh, it's, for it's all wild. of that. Yeah. Have you ever had? I'm taking over your position, Catherine. Yes, go for it. <laughs> I had another question, but you give me time to look at these. Things. Have you ever had? Because this happened to me not that long ago. Because you think you'll never be apart from your book, but time goes by and you actually don't remember a lot of it. And someone came up to me and said, and and just quoted something. And I said, wow, that's a really cool line. Where's that yeah. from? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, where She's can like, I read this like, woman? Like chapter three. And I'm like, I, I don't remember writing that. Are you sure it's in the book? <laughs> uh, I, I am um, a British librettist. He's making one of my short stories. It sounds like the beginning of a yeah. libre. Right? No, it's <laughs> He's making one of my short stories into an opera. And, oh, and wow. So cool. Kind of really uncanny experience. Um of uh, of going to a studio actually just a couple of, of last week uh, near Times Square and he had come with these singers just to show me these scenes from the potential opera of this oh short God, story cool. and I and he was there was like a small audience and he was sort of introducing this piece to this audience and I just found myself sitting there feeling very much part of the audience mm. because I was learning about my short story from from this guy. Is that totally weird? Totally was it like, weird. This is, it this was, is how I imagine. Awesome. Yeah. It was, it was the idea, I mean, I, I guess <laughs> so cool. uh, to, 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 to chime into um, Hermione's world, as Foucault said, I very much believe in like the death of the author. And I love yeah. the idea that my story mm. and the work I've done exists well beyond its intention. Yeah. And, um, and this guy had just taken my story and was making it into something 
that I didn't even care if it was faithful, you know. So it, it was, uh, it was, an, it was an experience that I'm really, really pleased that in my solitude writing the story, it's allowed to create this new life for it. So cool. I was talking about the death of the author this morning. <laughs> I was. Do you guys know the poet Ocean Vuong? Yeah, so amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was he was saying we were talking about like ego and like I was talking about the death of the author in relation to like this moment of identity politics and fiction and you know we, and an aspect of that seems really worthwhile but how do we reconcile that with you know a kind of yeah death of the author and um, he just told this beautiful sort of fable he's like which he'd heard from someone else but he was like um, writing a book is like building a raft on the shore. And then you push the raft out into the water. And if you're sitting on the raft and like riding the raft, you can't build another one. So you have to stay on the shore to keep building rafts and sending them out. And if someone, you know, like catches the raft or holds onto the raft for a little bit, that's beautiful. But you've just got to push it out there and let that go. And I just thought that was so great. Yeah. Shout out, Ocean. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, is it like make me a horrible person that I just thought of the massive island of plastic in the middle of oh, the Pacific? Oh yeah, don't make that kind of raft. Make a make a like environmentally friendly one. Yeah, don't litter. <laughs> I mean, that's like a metaphor. Just write well. Yeah, yeah. Don't make a shitty raft. Don't make a shitty Do it right. It's gonna kill animal life in the ocean. <laughs> Okay, you guys, I could listen to you just sit here and talk to each other all day, but we have to get into the magic silver box. I know you're dying to know what these people want to know. And we have to decide who's going to get the first question. So this is always fun. Um, this is how we're going to decide who gets the first question. I'm thinking of a part of the body that is above the waist. Hermione, name and part of the body above the Clavicle. waist. Clavicle. <laughs> Sharice? Sternum. Oh, interesting. The tongue. Mm, mm, appropriate. <laughs> Writing prompt, go. No. <laughs> um, Okay, so I think sternum is the winner because I was thinking of belly button. Ooh. <laughs> right? <laughs> I know my biologist. What? Okay, let's... Um... Okay, whoever asked this one gets a free drink and some conversation hearts to uh, go with your drink from the bar so that you don't get totally plastered because it's always good to eat food. The conversation's hard for food. <laughs> I was going to ask what they are. You guys, it's what we got. It's what what's in, never, it's I've what's in the box. <laughs> okay. There's a spaceship to Mars, and your entire <laughs> and your entire family wants to go and inhabit the planet. Would you go with them, or would you stay on Earth? <laughs> Whoa! If you go, <laughs> you can never come. Who asked this question? Oh yeah. Have a have a oh, conversation with some hearts. It's a very fascinating and, and um, psychologically based question. Well, given that I live three thousand, given that I'm very close to my family, and yet have lived three thousand miles away from them for many years, 
and yet still field calls from almost all of them every day. (laughs) (laughs) And know more about what's going on in their lives when they live five minutes away from each other than than I do (laughs) 3,000 miles away. I'm going to say, I love you so much, mom and dad and sisters and brother-in-laws and and nieces and nephews, but I'm going to let you guys go to Mars (laughs) and I'm going to stay here. (laughs) (laughs) That's plenty. I um this has been a such a topic of conversation in my marriage. Have, um, Wait, what? Yeah, I've been I, Do you guys I, know Elon Musk or something? Well, like, well, the thing is I've been I've been preemptively banned from space travel because my wife doesn't That's a want thing to, to be preemptively. Yeah, so my wife doesn't want to go to space and she knows that I do. So but she thinks that it's 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 it's, it's too much it's it's too much of a risk to take. So I think I'll be staying I'll be staying on Earth and dreaming of Mars. It's amazing you totally co-opted the question, <laughs> but I love that you did because that's so weird that you have like <laughs> this had this conversation. Um, we live in the twenty first century. We should. You have to talk about. It's a good thing to talk about before you get married. Like, yeah. do, are you are you going to go in outer space on me? Do you want to have kids? What religion do you want to be? Like, do you want to go to Mars? Like, yeah, fair, fair. Good, good question. Okay. Okay. Second question, uh, and let's see. Um, second question is going to get a gift certificate to the Astoria Bookshop. Ooh. That's right. <laughs> Good for in-store purchase only. Heads up. You should go there because it's a beautiful little bookstore in Astoria. Very close to the train. Easy to visit. Okay. So this question is for only uh, Hermione or Kanish because you're out of the running for this one, Sharice. Um, so I'm thinking of a state in the United States. Kanish, go. Uh, Mississippi. Hawaii. Mm, interesting. Mm. <laughs> Very different. Okay. I was thinking of Oregon, which Hawaii is closer. Is it? <laughs> like just culturally, come on. Is it culturally? <laughs> no, it's. it's are we going to go with Hawaii? Different yeah. metric. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Mm. Mm. Okay. It's going to float over on the plastic island in the Pacific. Cause that's how islands work, right? They're just floating on the surface. Sorry, that's, that's how that's islands work. Question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <clears throat> Hermione. Hi. What is a song you love that everybody else hates, and oh. why do you love it, weirdo? Okay. Oh, man, that's Who so asked hard. This? I don't Anyone? Know what other Anyone? Hate. You get a bo- gift certificate. That's very hard. <laughs> that, that low Christmas song, on the way to Stockholm, it started to snow. Uh, yeah, over to the husband. Is it? Um, oh, is it like the Renettes or something? Do you want to sing it? Oh, the waitresses Christmas wrapping. It's Wait. Amazing! Everyone loves that song. Yeah. <laughs> Your husband doesn't like that song. Maybe because I sing it too much. 
Is that the one that's like, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Excellent question. <laughs> and excellent karaoke. Thanks. <laughs> I guess, well, let's go with the waitresses. We just be- pretend Because her husband doesn't like the song. He's everyone. Does. And he's everyone. <laughs> he's going to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's see what we got here. Make sure I got that. Okay, yes. This is a very exciting prize. And it's for your question, Kanishk. This prize is a pink envelope. It's your favorite color. Um, Inside this pink envelope is like, can I show it? Because it's so beautiful. I use it like arts and crafts times at Catapult. (laughs) Free master class at Catapult. There are instructions on the back for how to redeem your master (laughs) class. It includes emails for Julie and Colin who are here tonight. You'll figure it out. Okay. So the question is, I just had it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Kanishka. What trendy words (laughs) should be abolished? Get a free masterclass. I'm a particularly bad person to ask this question because I'm so cut off from things, and you know the words I think about are like old English words, like they're not, they're not really. <laughs> um, can I can I give you one? Like if you, like can I? Uh, this is friend, one I just so one that really be... bothers me. Yeah. Is, and my twin brother uses it quite a lot. Is situation. Like, he always uses the word situation to refer to anything. Oh, no, sorry. So not, no, not situation. Sitch. To, 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 to the abbreviation <laughs> of situation to sitch. Like, and to, to refer to anything from, like, you know, my my mother's, like, sog paneer to, um, <laughs> to, like, his his wife's family. Like, it's a- a- anything. So I can, I, you, I... can you use that as if you're him in a sentence for us? Um... <laughs> Okay, well, see, this really helps if you know my twin brother. But, um, uh, yeah, walks into a room, like, 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 walks into a room where people are drinking very fancy cocktails. He'll say, oh, this is a great sitch. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> I really throw my brother under the bus. <laughs> no, nah, man, I think that you just being here and talking about us, Megan, LIC, this year is a really great sitch. like, <laughs> I don't like Yas. Wait, what's Yas? Yas? Yeah, As like, in Yas Queen. Yeah. Right. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I don't. No I don't understand Yas without the Queen on it. Yeah. Just uh, by itself, Yas. I'm sorry. Because I don't even know what Yas Queen is. <laughs> like I see it typed more often. Yeah. Yas. <laughs> I'm guilty. I'm sorry. <laughs> you guys, the last question because it's so. Wait, the last prize. The last prize is so baller that that you. It really is, Gus. <laughs> I like that show. It's like a baller <laughs> sitch. You're gonna get this prize, and you're gonna be like, yes. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, 
<laughs> Thanks, babe. Because of this, you all have to answer this question for this person to get this prize, okay? You down? That's a good question. There's a couple slashes in the question, so it's like an a, 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 either or kind of. Okay. So the prize, I'll show you this. It's also beautiful. Ooh, 20% off any catapult class. You guys, this is really amazing because catapult classes, you can do them in person. You can do them online. They meet for maybe like several weeks or shorter times. They're like all different varieties. You can do whatever you want and get 20% off of it. And they even made like a special code <laughs> for the reading series that says... It says lick 20, I think. <laughs> oh, L-I-C 20? <laughs> lick 20 what? I don't know. Lick 20 great writing things that you're going to write in this class. Okay. So the question is, <clears throat> who slash what would be your spirit animal slash alter ego? You got you got the prize. So I guess you could be like doing a person or a thing that is your spirit animal or your alter ego. Like go with it. You know, maybe like your superhero maybe. Or like maybe you have a spirit animal and I don't need to give you any more guidance. Maybe you have a spirit animal. I feel like a close spiritual association with Lisa Simpson. Can I I know she's like her own thing. It's with like who? Lisa Simpson. Can I can I can like, you elaborate can please? she be my spirit animal? What, what about well she's just an important figure in my life like she's like a moral compass um she's a vegetarian i turned vegetarian when i was eight years old i eat lisa simpson's permanent age no but i wish i did and it's like a great regret of mine that in my like british middle class life i predictably learned the violin instead of the saxophone so i couldn't like sit in my bedroom window you know do you still use a pacifier do I still what? <laughs> That's Maggie. That's Maggie. Oh. Clearly That's Maggie. not your spirit animal. Get out. I just imagine how, how out of touch I am with culture. Sorry, sorry. It's cool. Yes, Queen, it's cool. But it'd be impressive if like Maggie the baby were playing the sax thing. Yeah. It's true. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Before we move any further, can I just say that this man right here has an 18 day old human at home. That's real. Anything you say right now is fucking genius. <laughs> <laughs> Including talking about pacifiers, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I got a release, a signed release from my wife. That's how it works, remember, babe? All right, Sharice. Uh, so spirit animal or some other Or thing? alter ego. Okay. Yeah. Um, actually, then, I would say... I, I would say that I either have become or taken in my mother's mother, my mm. grandmother, who had a third third grade education in Russia and always wanted to be a writer. In fact, the book is dedicated in part to her, although no one knows the name and so they don't realize it. She was she was just brilliant and tough and fascinating. And pretty much I feel her 
in me at some point all the time. I mean, I was, I don't know, eight years old and she was in the bathtub and she said, you're going to, Sharice a lot, you're going to be a writer and you're never going to work for your father. Oh. And that was it. And it was true. <laughs> Love her. <laughs> yeah. He was a lawyer. Or he is a lawyer. Oh, I, I did. So, <laughs> and I was sure it had nothing to do with him. Oh, man. Okay. Gosh, I, um, I'm, I've been, uh, while you've been talking, I've been like sort of scanning the the zoo of animals. <laughs> so you weren't listening. Yeah. No, no. I, I would love to know what your grandmother's oh, name is. No. Actually, <laughs> um, trying to think more, but, also, as like like uh, like Lisa Simpson, as a vegetarian, that's also meant that I have a complete disinterest in animals and therefore <laughs> uh, can't talk knowledgeably about them. Um, gosh, spirit animal. Um, so I I as a you know as a red blooded man, I um, I have Where a lot of I have, I have I have a lot of. Uh, um, like a, like affiliations to sports teams that in many ways I feel because I invest so much emotional energy into them define me more than anything else in the world mm. and so I support a very uh, vainglorious <laughs> um, <coughs> verbose uh, aspirational and doomed ice hockey team called the New York Rangers <laughs> that um <laughs> In many ways, whose ups and downs, whose rares, I, I feel somehow I'm my own, my own life is sort of enmeshed in those. So mm. maybe I'll, I'm going to take a terrible tangent to the question and give that as an answer. <laughs> the New York Rangers yeah. are Kanishk Thor's spirit animal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. And I would say, and we can say the ups and the downs perhaps mirror the life of the writer as well. <laughs> And we'll end it there. Um, I want to say thank you so much to Hermione Hovey and Therese Wallace and Kanish Thor. You guys are amazing. Thank you, LIC Bar. Thank you to our audience, Astoria Bookshop. I want to let you guys all know our readers will be here for a minute. If you would like to buy their books, they'll sign. We are here, usually here, the second, except for this month, we're here the second Tuesday of every month. So we'll be here again just in two weeks because that's the second Tuesday of March. And that's going to be on March 13th. We're going to have Jared Harrell, Morgan Jerkins, and Rachel Lyon. And that's going to be a really fun night, guys. And then in April, we have our three-year anniversary. So come back for that, because usually there's cake. I'm just saying. <laughs> Thank you, guys. That's today's show. If you like what you heard, tell a friend or leave a review wherever you found us. Special thanks to LIC Bar, the Astoria Bookshop, and our amazing intern, Nadine Santoro. A big thank you to our sponsors over the years, LIC Corner Cafe, Sweet Leaf Coffee, Court Square Diner, and The Gantry Restaurant. This episode was recorded by Carl Jacob and mixed and edited by Justin Alvarez. Our theme music is by Pat Irwin. The LIC Reading Series is made possible in part by the Queen's Council on the Arts with public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. I'm your host, Catherine Lasota. See you next time in Queens. <laughs>